<laughs> when we were kids. What a morning. Close to an hour of worship. Some testimonies and a very short message, guys. Um, let's hope so, eh? Let's hope so. Yeah. Well, uh, this is the Center Church. Welcome to the Center Church, where Jesus Christ is Lord. He's our Savior and our Deliverer. Where we live by the Word of God, we live by the truth. And we are guided daily and continually by the Holy Spirit. That's what we do in this church. And I'm grateful to be serving in this church. It's an honor to serve God in everything that I do in this church. And I want to remind you of the church that you're sitting in. You are sitting in a church that has been here for 35 years. You're pastored by a pastor who has stood in this church for 35 years. This is a church that God has used for 35 years to change and transform the lives of thousands and thousands of people in this community. This is a church that has trained and equipped people to go out into the world and share the gospel, to grow the kingdom of God. This is a church that's been described as a battleship. And no matter what hits us, we continue to sail into battle. And so I am grateful for this church. I'm grateful for another opportunity to serve God and serve Him in this way. I've served in this church in lots of different ways. I've cleaned the bathrooms, I've mowed the lawns. I helped change this side of the roof. I was in CKC. I've, tra I've served in the cafe. I've served in men's ministry, counseling. Been given an opportunity to uh, be in the worship team. Took me two years to break into that worship team. <laughs> but I got in eventually. And now I have an opportunity to, to share a message from my heart. So um, I'm just very, very grateful to have an opportunity to serve God and serve Him in this place, in this church. Uh, before I start, I'm going to ask, it's day for testimonies. I've got a couple of people I'd like to ask to speak. So first, I'd like um, Huia to come up, please. Can we get Huia a microphone, please? I just want to let you know what's going on at the moment in this church. There's a couple of things that struck me at the wider leaders meeting the other day. These two ladies who are going to speak are doing amazing things in the community, and we're starting with Huia. So. Morena. Um, I'd just like to start off... Um over here, <laughs> come on. <laughs> um, yeah, centre of attention, not. Um, he Kitikai, um, I'm the face of He Kitikai. Uh, he Kitikai is um, a food pantry. Um, my heart desire was for us to be known in the community, centre church, and to show the love of God in the community through food. Um, the food pantry is for uh, people in the community who are in need. Um, so we have that opportunity. Um, we also have, um, at the end of the year, we put uh, 40 Christmas, large Christmas hampers uh, into the community. And uh, because, you know, at Christmas time, it's really hard for families. You know, the kids are home, um, they're always constantly eating. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and so um, as a church, um, we are in, uh, we've been connected with uh, Kohanga Reo down at uh, Ramadi South, and also with the bilingual unit in Paraparaumu School. 
and also we have uh, parcels that go out into our community um, also. So we are in the community, we are getting to be known in the community, um, so that's part of uh, he, what Hekitikai is. And we've also involved with Tehahi, which is uh, reaching into the community with the police, where we're um, supplying uh, uh, food parcels to people in need also. So I just wanted to let you know that. Um, that's part of the evangelism that this church is involved in. It's awesome. Cool. Miriam, can we have Miriam, please? This is Miriam. She's going to share what's happening, uh, what she's starting up. She's bringing one of the Twin Towers with her. So I will pass it on to Paul. This is a short reading from Matthew chapter 28, 16 to 20. And now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, when Peter Kumar was here, um, he, he was giving people prophecies and things like that. So I, um, it has been on my heart for a while to get into the community. And he, he spoke to me and he said, do it. So I went and spoke to Reese from the lighthouse and he was amazing. He was so willing to do everything that I had suggested. So we're going to go into the lighthouse once a week. We are there to make connections, develop relationships and share the love of God. The, light, the lighthouse is just across the road and there is 55 people in there, um, 40 men and the rest women I think there is. And it's for people that don't have homes and so uh, they rent rooms and when I was speaking to Reese about it, uh, there's a lot of people that have um, had an accident or been unwell and so they're not able to work but they're not old enough to go on the pension either. So what we are planning to do, there's a core group of people that are going to go in and anyone is welcome to join in any which way they want to, whether it's making soup, we're planning to do soup and rolls on um, Thursday night at five o'clock till half past six. So it is about eating with these people, talking with these people and just, just connecting and making relationships with the view that is sharing the love of God 
talking and eating with people, but we also want to pray. We want to ask anyone if they need prayer. That's where we will start, and then we will just start um, sharing. Okay. <coughs> Thank you, Huya. Thank you, Miriam, for sharing. You know, there's a, there's a basic condition or a basic mission we have when we become Christians, when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, and that is to share the gospel, to become evangelists. Some of us are called to be evangelists up the front or in a big tent meeting, and that's someone like my brother, but we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share the gospel, and Paul shared that um, scripture there about the Great Commission, which calls on us to go out and share the gospel to all creation. So uh, awesome work, ladies. And there's a lot of other things going on in this church, in groups, as well as uh, individuals who are leading people to the Lord, sowing the word and sharing the gospel. So um, I just wanted to get those guys up to encourage us to get out there and, and share the gospel. But also, if you have a heart for it, but you haven't found your place yet, then attach yourself to someone who has and go out with them and, and, uh, and bring your flavor to their group. So um, awesome, ladies. You know, uh, I want to I mention the worship team this morning. There's been something awesome happening in that team. And uh, this morning was another indication of the growth of the team as it goes through. And it's, it's an illustration of what's happening in the church. You know, Cheyenne was leading this morning. She's 20. She's been in the, I think Amy led her in the worship team early. She was about 14 or 15. But um, she's committed herself to God and committed herself to becoming better at her craft and connected to God and and built an intimate relationship with him. And so this morning we saw a reflection of that. I also want to say I thought the guitarist was fire this morning, guys. Unbelievable, that guy. <laughs> with what little skill he has. <laughs> he uses all of it. It was a little bit tiring. So <laughs> uh, this will be a very quick message, I think. Before I start, uh, let's get connected. Father, we thank you, Lord God. For another opportunity to come together with you, Lord God, and come together as a church, Lord, as a family that's on the move. Father, our only wish is to become closer to you, to be more intimate with you, Lord God, and be to more intimate, to be more intimate with each other, to fellowship and get to know each other and become united and in one accord, Lord. So that, Father, when we're called, Father, that we'll be ready, and we'll be ready as a unit. And so, Father, I thank you for an opportunity to share the word this morning, Lord God. I ask that you deliver it to each heart individually, but this morning to us as a group, as a team, as a unit, Lord God. So, Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Praise God. Well, um, that bit about the unit, I want us to think like that today. Um, this message is really for us as a church. It's for individuals, but it's for us as a group. If you look around, these are the people that you're connected with in this church. These are the people that you've chosen to connect with. This is the church that you've chosen to plant in. And these are your family. And so there are people in this church that you might connect with that are going to light something up in you. But we've got to get to know each other first, right? We've got to get to know each other first. There are some amazing gifts and talents right throughout this church. And we don't see them all. But we have to get to know each other to be able to connect and see who we're going to connect with and what we're going to do for God because God has something great for you. We're living in times where he requires us to do something so that he can do something great through us. And so I thank you, Lord, for every person that has decided to call the center home. 
Father, I thank you for every person that has ever called the centre home. The thousands of people who have been through this church, Lord God. I give you thanks for them. I thank you, Father, that your word will not return void, that those people are now out in the community and right across this globe, leading in churches and building your kingdom. Father, we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Right, the title of my message this morning is OLOC. O-L-O-C. Who knows what that means? Not you, Fitzy. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a military term, it's an acronym, and it stands for Operational Level of Capability. When, when the army, when soldiers are ready for battle, when they're ready, they're willing, they're trained and equipped to be deployed into battle, they are operational level of capability. They're ready to go. In the army, you can be in the army and be active, or you can be out of the army. Fitzy's a, an example of that. Fitzy is, a, uh, is an ex-soldier, awesome man. If you don't know Fitzy, get to know him. Now he's a civilian building a, a, a business, a really, uh, a really um, amazing and interesting business. But as Christians, when we give our hearts to Jesus, when we become a part of God's family, when we become a part of God's army and we become Christian soldiers, we are constantly at operational level of capability because the battle never stops for us. Whether you know it or not, you are in a battle today. And so we have to continually be at operational level of capability. We have to be ready, willing, trained and equipped to get into the action. That's right, isn't it? Right. So I'm going to share a very simple message this morning. Hopefully it's going to be quick. And it's just, it's really just what our objective is, what our mission is, and, and how I think we should do it as individuals and as a group. You know, in 2019, I got my first opportunity to share a message in this church. I got five months notice, I think it was. So I had an amount of time to select my subject and something to say about it. And the title of that message was Your Mission. It was about evangelism, it was about sharing the gospel, it was the story of salvation. And it was my first message in this church. But even if I got to preach one last message on this earth, it would be the story of salvation. It would be to share the gospel. If I had to choose from any topic, that's what it would be. And so I'm sharing that this morning. And I'm going to start with uh, a scripture that I use just about every time I preach. John 3.16 it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we want to know what our objective is, if we want to know what the burning desire of God's heart is, it's written in that scripture. The burning desire of God's heart is to restore and reconcile his family. For God so loved the world, he sacrificed his only son, the name above all names and the king of kings, so that we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And the most valuable things in my life, the most valuable people in my life are my wife, Christine, my children, Taylor, Cheyenne, and Bronson Brown, who's up in the light booth, I think, up there. I can tell you right now, don't be offended by this, but I wouldn't sacrifice one of them for any of you. That's just the truth. And I would fully expect that none of you would sacrifice your wife, your husband, or your children for me. But God made that plan at the beginning of time. And he sacrificed his precious son for me. I spent 38 years with no respect for God, zero reverence for God, mocking God, really not caring about what was happening with God. And yet, in the hope 
that I would be restored to his family, God sacrificed his son. Think about that from your own perspective. Would you sacrifice your children? And I'm pretty sure you wouldn't. But think about how clear that makes the desire of God's heart. Above all things, because he chose that one thing to save us, to give his son, he gave his son up for us. That means that's the burning desire of his heart, which means it should be the burning desire of our hearts. We should have the same heart for people. God is asking us, he's saying, this is your objective. This is my objective on the earth. I've given everything to see mankind saved, to see them restored and reconciled to my family. And I'm asking you to get involved. I'm asking you to be at operational level of capability, ready, willing, trained and equipped to fulfill this for me. I want you to get that in your hearts. I know that I'm sitting in front of people who probably already know this. I'm speaking about things you already know about. But I'm hoping that today something inside me changes. I've got a love for people. I want to have the sort of love that God has for people. I know I can't match it, but I can go for it. So the first thing is our objective. Our objective is to see God's family restored and reconciled to him. That's the burning desire of his heart. That needs to become the burning desire of our heart. And what's the mission? Well, Paul spoke about it just before. In Mark 16, 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore go and baptize and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And in John 20, 21, Jesus says this. He says, Peace be with you to the disciples. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Those are clear instructions for what we're meant to do. They're clear instructions for what our mission is. That group of scriptures, and there are others, are called the Great Commission. The definition of commission is this. The act of committing or entrusting a personal group, us, with supervisory power or authority, it's an authoritative order, charge, or direction. God has charged us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. In another place in the Bible, it goes to the, goes to the end of, ends of the earth and preach the gospel. That is a clear order. If we are operational and we're ready to go, then that's our order. Our objective is the burning desire of God's heart to reconcile and restore his family. Our mission is to go into the field, to go out into the world and share the gospel with all creation. Let's be honest with ourselves. Are we doing that? I'm sure you are. I don't want a show of hands. I'm sure you are. And there are different ways to share the gospel, aren't there? I mean, I, I like to sh- like sort of sow relationships with people, sow into people's lives and earn the right to speak into them. We build relationships with people, don't we? And then we, we share a little bit of the gospel here and there, or we share it all at once. We share our testimony. But there is coming a time, we all need to know that there is coming a time, and you can see it in the world today, things are accelerating. There should be an urgency in our spirit. You are going to be fielding more and more opportunities daily, weekly, and monthly than you've ever had before. When you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and show you opportunities to share the gospel, I guarantee you they are going to multiply. Because people are living in a world where they're lacking hope. They're looking for something to fill the gap. People want purpose. 
I talk to people all the time who say, I can't find my purpose. Your willingness to share the gospel is the answer to that. Your willingness to share the goodness of God, to share the revelation that Jesus Christ as our Lord, our Savior, and our Deliverer is the answer to those people's hopes, the things that they're hoping for. Can you see the world accelerating today? Can you feel it moving faster? We can certainly see the enemy moving faster and I can see God moving ahead of him. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and share the gospel with all creation. That's our mission. You know, if you're going to share the gospel, if you are going to be ready, willing, trained and equipped, then you need to know the gospel, don't you? And I'm, I'm sure you all do. But if things are going to accelerate, if your opportunities are going to come thick and fast, if you're going to get opportunities on the bus, on the train, if you're going to get a two-minute opportunity with someone, then you need to know that subject inside and out. If you can share the gospel in under two minutes, then you can share it for 20 minutes, can't you? But to be able to share it in a short period of time, one minute, two minutes, you need to know that subject inside and out. You need to have meditated on it. You need to have looked into it so that you can share it quickly. There will come a time where there's not time for us to fumble over our words or go around the world. We need to know our testimony inside and out. I can share my testimony for an hour, but getting it down to a couple of minutes when I have an opportunity somewhere very quickly, but if I can do that, then I know I can, I can stretch it out when I've got more time. So again, I don't want a show of hands, but who could share their testimony in two minutes? Who could share the gospel in two minutes? That's part of our training and our equipping is to know those subjects inside and out. You know, if you were to, if you were to talk about the gospel, if you were to share the gospel, you might say that we're all sinners, that we're born with a sin nature, that God acknowledged that and he sent a saviour, and his name was Jesus Christ. That that saviour came as a sacrifice for all of mankind. That he sacrificed himself, that he died on the cross so that we could be cleansed of all sin, all sickness, and all infirmity. Then on the third day, he rose again by the Holy Ghost and he sits at the right hand of God now and he advocates for us. God sees us through him. When we choose to accept that, when we choose to receive that by faith, receive that grace, then we are saved. And then it's up to us to turn away from our old life. God will give you his desires, his wants. He'll place them in your heart. But it's up to us to turn away from our old ways and run to Jesus. That's the gospel. Did in a minute and 10 seconds? No. <laughs> Practice that for hours. No, I didn't. But that's the, that's the simple gospel, isn't it? There's a scripture in uh, Luke. Most of you probably are aware of this. Luke 23. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's flanked by two criminals, two thieves. Um, some people call it, you know, call them the good thief and the bad thief. But it gives us a, a, a template for salvation, the process of salvation. And so I'm just going to go through that scripture, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Um, I'm not Gary Clements. 
I can't go into hours and hours of breaking down Scripture, but... Uh, In Luke 23, verse 39 to 43, it says this. One of the criminals hanging beside him, hanging beside Jesus, scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied and said, I assure you, Today you will be with me in paradise. That's a template for salvation. You know, the one man is mocking. He's me when I was under 38. He's the world. He's mocking Jesus. He doesn't believe in Jesus. The other man has a... a, He's had a shift in his heart. You know that because he's a criminal who's now on the cross and recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God. And so he says, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? Don't you have the fear of God? He's not saying he's scared to die. He's saying the fear of God. Respect for God, reverence for God. Don't you have the fear of God? And that turns into repentance. Because in the next Sentence, he says, we deserve to die for our crimes. He's confessing his sins. He's confessing his sins before Jesus. It's an element of salvation that is a requirement. We have to confess our sins with our mouth. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. This man is the Lamb of God. He's without blemish. I recognize that. We've sinned, he hasn't. And then he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, when you say to someone, your kingdom, you mean they are the king of that kingdom, don't you? So he's acknowledging there that Jesus is the king of heaven. Jesus is the king of Israel, the king of righteousness. He's the king of heaven, and he's the king of kings. And that man recognizes that right there. He's receiving Jesus in his station as the king of heaven. And then Jesus replies and says, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, you have qualified. That's the simple story of salvation right there in just four passages, three passages. Now I know there's much more depth to the Bible. There's there's other things that go on in the Bible. But this is a really simple template of probably the last salvation before Jesus ascended to heaven isn't it? Because after that he dies and then you know if uh, I was thinking about my own salvation when um, when I was going through this and thinking about my testimony and Lisa, Pastor Lisa came up with a really good way to do your testimony by the way it should be one third before God, one-third when you're coming to God, like what happens, and one-third what God has done for you since. But what I do remember about my salvation is that we got saved in here myself, my wife, my daughter Taylor, who was nine, Cheyenne was five, I think, and little Bronson Brown, we didn't know, but he was on board. (laughs) And so we came in here and gave our hearts to Jesus, 26th of March, 2006, we stood right here, 
And what I remember about that is the, you know, and I was singing that song this morning, Take Me Back. And it takes me back to that. It takes me back to the things that God did for me immediately. You know, that was a Sunday. By the Monday, God had taken drug addiction from me, alcohol addiction, a violent nature, a hate for people. He took swearing from my mouth, corruption from my heart. I woke up the following day not really knowing what was going on, but I loved everyone. <laughs> I just wanted to be better. I woke up with an urgency like I had a purpose. And I said those things quickly, but those are massive things. They were big things in my life. Things that I'd never been able to overcome. Drug addiction for 22 years. Alcohol addiction since, I don't know, me and Rich started drinking very early. A lot of brain damage on Rich's side, but um, <laughs> you, it's hard to notice. It's hard to notice, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, massive brain, massive brain. <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that, but... Um, but those are not small things when they are curses on your life that you can't rid yourself of. When you wake up every morning and think, man, I hate people, like I just hate people, and then that causes you to not want to be around people. And then that causes you to be violent. And that causes you to hurt people and offend people. Those are big things. God took them from me overnight because I said a simple prayer. I said it with Pastor Robin and Pastor Don. We didn't know, but within that first month, we found out that uh, Bronto Brown was on board. Now, this is interesting. We'd had two daughters. I had Taylor and Shia, my little princesses. I loved them to death, but I had wanted a son. Now, we got saved on the 26th of March, and Bronson was born on the 26th of December. I know it's not officially 36 weeks, but that's nine months to the day. God gave me my son, and my, and my brother actually said he had been praying for me um, when we had Cheyenne, because Cheyenne was going to be Tyson. He, she was a boy. And, uh, and when we had Cheyenne, my brother went, why would you give him Cheyenne? No. He said, uh, he, he prayed, you know, the desire of Matt's heart is to have a son. Why isn't he getting a son? And then when we found out that we were pregnant with Bronson, Rich said that God told him that as soon as I become God's son, he would release my son. So that happened. Within three or four months, we got married, myself and Christine. We'd been together 17 years, 17-year engagement at that time. <laughs> like most men, I just wanted to be sure, guys, but <laughs> we're now 32 years in in total, um, 15 years married. And then within, like I say, two years, I broke into the worship team. It's hard to get in, but... <laughs> And then went on to get opportunities to serve in this church. Started uh, the day after I got saved, I was on fire for God. I finally had a purpose in my life. I was urgent about the things I was doing. I was just looking to serve anywhere I could. Passed it on, gave me the advice to get stuck in boots and all. So I did. I tried to put my hand to everything I could. God has continued to keep that fire burning for 16 years. He's continued to honor that. Never returned to addiction or any of those things. Because of God. Not because of me, because I couldn't do it before God. The reason I'm saying all of this is because when you go out to share the gospel, when you go out to preach the gospel to all creation, remember that the people that you're going to share the gospel with can have the same experience as you. Their whole lives can change. Not only do they get everlasting life, not only do they get to have a relationship with God, not only do they get to live their lives with love, joy, and peace, 
Not only do they get to receive grace, but they get to have the things that you have. They get to have the things that I got overnight from God. Blessed beyond belief. That should be our motivation. Man, God is so good. Think about your own testimony. Think about what God's done for you in your lifetime. Not just the blessings, but the things that he's got you through. And then want that for someone else. Make the burning desire of your heart the same as the burning desire of God's heart. He just wants us to return to him. He just wants us to love him so he can, and, and he'll always love us. You know, when Peter Kumar was here, he, uh, he gave a challenge. Uh, and that was for everyone in the church that was here that day to go out and try and get three people saved, lead three people to the Lord in the following six months, if I remember it correctly. And he said to write down a list of 25 people and then start praying over that list. I'm not going to ask you to save, get three people and lead them to God. I'm going to ask you to lead one person to God. If you fail at that and lead 10 to God, cool. But if each person in this room, in the next, uh, between now and Christmas, writes down a list of the people around you, think about the people around you, your own family members, my own family members that aren't saved, that don't know Jesus Christ, the people that work with me and for me that don't know Jesus Christ, my friends that I've known for a long time, I won't quantify it, but I've known, uh, there are people I've known since I was five years old, they're not saved. Write the names of those people down. You might be surprised at how big that list is. And start praying over that list for opportunities. And pray for opportunities with other people too. You know, our brother Ken Hunt's one for meeting people in the street. My brother is also another one who meets people in the street and leads them to Jesus. But I want to be very clear. Make a list and start praying over that list. Every day when you wake up, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to the, opportunity that are there, uh, the opportunities that are there for you on that day. And then share the gospel like someone sharing it to you for the first time. And think about all of the things that you've had through Christ Jesus, all of the things that the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ has done for your life and put that passion into sharing the gospel with the person you're speaking. Share your testimony so they know it's possible, so they can duplicate it. That's the first thing. The second thing is, encourage them to be baptized. You can do it right here in this church. And the third thing, which is the hardest thing, is commit to discipling that person for 12 months. Seems like a long time. Lots of people get led to the Lord. Growth in God is another thing. It requires discipleship. God says to go and make disciples of all nations. One of the reasons that I grew in this church, one of the reasons that I've been so fortunate to stay stuck to God is because a man called Gary Clements, when I first got to the church, spent a year and a half discipling me. A year and a half studying with me every week. Just to, now to this day, he still catches up with me just to see how I'm going. 
He was dedicated to discipling me so that I could grow in God. And there were others in this church, of course. But Gary was my guy that stuck next to me. Obviously, I had my brother as well. Become someone's mentor. Disciple them. Help them to grow. Identify their gifts. God is looking for effective people. He's looking for souls. But man, we require effective people in this time. Operational level of capability. To be ready, willing, trained, and equipped to be deployed for battle. So just some of the points. I won't number them, but... The objective, the burning desire of God's heart must become the burning desire of our heart and God's desire is to see his family restored and reconciled to him. The mission is to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. And the challenge is in the next five months before Christmas, make a list of people, pray over that list, be diligent about it. Every day, pray to the Holy Spirit to guide you to the person where the opportunity is for that day and lead one person to the Lord. Like I say, if you fail and you lead more people to the Lord, praise God, hallelujah, awesome. And then commit to discipling them. I know that time is short. Time is actually shorter than you think, isn't it? So if you can remember those things, if you didn't write them down, get them in your heart. In fact, hey, I've never done this before. I've never got to get you guys to say what I say. I might do it today. Okay, so I'm going to try and do it. I've never done it before. Just see if you can follow me. Okay. I will lead one person to Christ Jesus before this Christmas. I will encourage that person to be baptized. And I commit to discipling that person for 12 months. Praise God. Give yourselves a hand. You gave yourselves a bigger hand than you gave me. <laughs> People were whooping in that one. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, God is so good, man. So uh, we're, you know, this is the perfect time for us to receive uh, communion. So can we have the emblems at the front, please? Oh, they're at the front, okay. Can we have the people with the emblems at the front, please? Operational level of capability, people. Wayne Morris. Can we have the lights down just a little bit, please? Can I have the team on stage, please, the worship team? One Corinthians eleven twenty six tells us to examine ourselves and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Communion is a time for us to examine ourselves and measure ourselves in front of Jesus. It's a time to look at our account. It's a time to bring to remembrance what Jesus Christ has done in your life. This is a holy and sacred time. It's not a time to just line up and walk to the front and eat some bread. 
This is a time to remember that the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ and the cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood. We've talked all morning about what Jesus Christ has done for us, about what we'd like to see him do in this earth with other people. When we take communion, let's examine ourselves and imagine ourselves standing before Jesus and remembering everything he's done for us. Remember the time that you first fell in love with Jesus, when he broke curses off your life and freed you, when you've had healings in the past, when you've had breakthroughs and blessings. Remember that when you take communion. Father, I pray for a holy reverence in this room, Lord God. I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit, and I thank you for more of it in Jesus' name. Father, invade this room. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for every salvation that is sitting in this room right now. I thank you, Lord God, that as we look around the room at each other, we see multiplied salvations. We see each person as a representative of more salvations, of more lives changed and transformed. Father, that we take this seriously, that we are ready, willing, trained, and equipped to be deployed. We take a moment just to honor you, Lord God, to be grateful, Father, to acknowledge you, Lord God, as our Savior. Praise God. Okay. Can everyone come forward and grab your emblems, please? Let's take communion in groups. Let's do it in families. If you don't have a family, attach yourself to one. I said at the beginning of this, this message was for individual hearts, but it was for us as a body. It was for us as a team, as a unit, as a company. That this company would join together with the other churches, the other life-giving churches in this world. That we would become a force to be reckoned with. That the kingdom would continue to grow in this community, in this nation, and right across this world. That we would see people from our church and the churches around us be raised up and have places of influence in this world. Once you've got your emblem, start the process of connecting with God. Everybody has a, a secret place that they go in their heart with God. 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's savor this moment together with God. Father, we give you thanks today, Lord God, for your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you sacrificed your precious Son for each of us. Father, that it is the most significant event that has ever happened in human history throughout the history of mankind. That your son Jesus is the most famous name on earth. Father, we thank you that as he sacrificed himself, he did it to cleanse us of all sin and all sickness and all infirmity. Father, we thank you for your grace. And so, Father, we remember your Son right now, Jesus Christ. Each of us remember individually our experiences when we got saved. When you became our first love. Praise you, Lord. And so, Father, as we eat the bread, we remember the body of Jesus Christ that took the stripes by which we are healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, as we drink from the cup, we remember your precious blood. We remember the redemptive power of your blood, Lord God. And we give you thanks for it. Praise you, Jesus. Make this a significant moment in your life, a significant moment in time to remember Jesus Christ. This is a place of worship. So as you remember Jesus, just continue to worship him. We are going to worship up here. This room requires a level of reverence. Things aren't holy, but this moment is holy. This is not a time to discuss what you're having for lunch. 
This is a time to remember Jesus Christ and how significant he is in your life. So we're going to worship, and then my brother is going to lead some ministry up here. Don't miss your moment for a miracle. God is looking to perform miracles on this earth. The cycles of life are getting smaller and smaller. Things are accelerating and God is becoming more and more urgent. He's got a plan. We're a part of that plan. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this moment. I thank you, Father, that there is an atmosphere in here, Lord God, that causes miracles to occur. Your Holy Ghost is here. That we are healed by your stripes, Lord God, and that this is our moment. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name.